Hey, welcome, welcome to Creativity in Focus, a live podcast where we highlight an artist and its art every single week. And today is no different. We have a very special artist to, you know, talk about her life, her, her art, and answer your questions. Because you know what? This is an interactive uh, podcast. So we do appreciate and hope for your comments, suggestions, stories, and questions to this amazing artist. This is a content-only podcast, which, and I would like to invite you to share this. It's content-only. We are only going to talk about art and the artist. So feel free to share anywhere you want, including in groups in social media. Uh, we are not going to ask for buying anything or anything like that, so you're safe. Now, it's a very good idea if you can do that right at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, as you probably know, most social media platforms, they want to see if there is any interaction and there is any traction in a video right at the beginning, and then they decide if they show to more people or not. So you actually help us a lot when you do that. And if you like, if you leave comments, if you give hearts, of course, that helps a lot as well. Uh, depending on where you're watching, you have a chat box either below the video or beside the video. So that's the right place for you to interact with this artist, okay? You can ask as many questions as you want. And of course, give your two cents about things too, right? Uh, you may be watching in several different places. The best place, the best experience is always creativityinfocus.com. That also allows you to watch the other podcasts. We have a ton of very good artists here that have shared something of, of their experience and their life and their tricks. So it's always fun to go back and watch other episodes, okay? Well, I'm almost ready to introduce you to the to our uh, non instructor but artist today just let me find here on social media so i can monitor those questions from you today my guest is diana ba and she's a weaver welcome <laughs> glad to be here hey diana uh, we want to show your pieces so they kind of know what you do but tell me when did you start with the weaving process i actually took my first class when I was going to university. Oh. Um, I lived in the dorm and somebody was finishing her placemats at the end of the quarter and I asked her, where did you learn to do that? And so I started taking classes and I took classes every quarter until I graduated. So they had classes in the college? Yeah, it was, it was through the art department. Oh. Great big room full of big floor looms. Uh -huh. It was a lot of fun. That's so cool. Were you in college for arts or something else? No, no, I was actually in college for the home arts. I was a seamstress okay. and doing the sewing and such. And so because I was not an art major, I could never get an A in the class. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> the teacher felt only the artists deserved oh. the A. Oh. So I thought, that's interesting. pretty interesting. Years later, I always thought if she was still alive, I'd like to go up to her and say, how many of the rest of them are still weaving? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but yeah. So how many years have you been weaving? I've been weaving over 40 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there was a time when I had to go work full time, so I did less weaving then. Mm -hmm. There was a time when the kids were really small and I did less weaving then. But the looms have always been there and when people ask me, I have always been a weaver since I first started. That's cool. Before that, did you have any other passions before you found the looms? Well, I was always into textiles. Okay. So I was a seamstress since I started sewing clothes for my dolls when I was eight years old. Um, about the same time, I taught myself to knit. My mother was not a knitter, but somehow I found needles and an instruction book in our house. <laughs> and so I started knitting and then a neighbor lady started teaching all the kids in the neighborhood. So I've always had my hands in textiles. What attracts you to textiles? What do you think is... I think, it's, I think it's the feeling, the visual, the, the tech, tactile, mm -hmm. because most all of the things that I do are functional items, mm -hmm. items that I'm going to touch, that I'm going to use. That's what I really love making. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, I, I like textiles a lot too, and I actually remember when I found the passion. I have an uncle that he had a store, and, in, and he sold clothes. 
Mm -hmm. But in the back of the store, there was a, a shop where he had several women sewing the whole day. And then there was the inventory place. And I remember he was training me how to track the inventory. Yes. And, and he would touch all the fabric and he would say, touch this, touch that. And then he would say, there is only way for you to understand fabric is by touching it. The fabric will tell you everything about it. And I thought that was so fascinating. Oh, yes. From that time on, they said, okay, I like this. <laughs> well, and then you talk about that touching. And there's this whole thing with the weavers that rubbing your, this is the weaver's handshake. Oh, yeah? Checking out those clothes. Like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you weave that? <laughs> Not this one. However, it is linen, which I love touching. Oh, that's cool. And, and I've used that um, with my sisters, mm -hmm. love going to vintage sales and all that. And so we go along, wherever there's textiles, and I go along like this. Oh, this one's linen, I'll look at that. <laughs> so yeah, I use my, my touch. To it's just such pleasure to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. That's great. Now, I just want to remind you, this is an interactive podcast, so give your two cents, tell us about your experience, and most of all, ask questions to Deanna. You're okay with that, right? Oh, yes, yes. Totally. So besides being a weaver, who is Deanna? Tell me a little bit about you, your passions. Well, I'm very much, like I say, into the textiles, but I do a lot of things in the out of doors also. Mm -hmm. My family, we've always camped um, when I was a kid, going up into the mountains, doing a lot of hiking, mm -hmm. and I've passed that passion on to my kids, That's which is wonderful because my son developed as a photographer and does spectacular outdoor photography and uh -huh. I've seen I've yeah seen. and it's one of the good. shows that we were at when he wrote up his little um bit about the parent you know how I started doing it and he talked about how he had always gone camping with his family uh -huh. to enjoy That's the so out cool. of doors so so that one is really a lot of fun for a while I was a gardener but Thank heavens, my husband has retired and taken that oh, over. Really? I was never that good at it, <laughs> uh, so I'm thrilled. He's, pets, no pets? Um, pets we have had constantly, yes. none right now. Uh -huh. The last one died and I thought, maybe this is the time that we can stop. Mm -hmm. My daughter feels bad about that, but now she goes and does volunteer work uh -huh. with the 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 places with the pets. And so she gets it out of her by going and playing with the animals oh, that, there. So cool. that works out good. <laughs> now, as a weaver, this is your full-time activity, right? Oh, it is. And you have found different ways to generate revenue from that. So yes. can you tell us a little bit of the, your different venues for that? Because that's usually the challenge for artists, right? Always. Okay, how do I make money? And making pieces takes you only so far because of the time constraint. Exactly. So what do you do? Tell me. For right now, for me, my biggest is doing teaching. Mm -hmm. I get a higher percentage of my money from doing teaching. Um, I run my series of classes, but then I've also got tied in with a couple of um, film companies mm. where I have set up equipment and woven pieces for film companies to do things. And so that's so, brought so in. What do you some. mean by that? You put a loom there or what is it? I have put together looms that they had to do. So I they, have, it was going to show in one yes, scene of the, okay. A quick little scene. They needed somebody sitting at the loom. So I got it back into working order. The mechanical parts of the loom has always thrilled me. <laughs> Got it set up. There was a couple of them, one of which was one of these post-apocalyptic. And so he always liked the, the thought of the woman looking through those warp threads, uh -huh. hanging and watching through. Mm -hmm. So he, I set up a bunch of old style warp weighted looms uh -huh. for the video simply because he wanted a weaving studio so he would get that shot. And that was a lot of fun to do. I, I had to learn all about a loom I knew nothing about. So I was on the internet with a woman in England who was wonderful giving me information and learning how to set up this old style equipment. Uh -huh. I did the same thing for a, a local film company that was doing a film about Jesus. 
and I always refer to it as the Jesus film. <laughs> and I was supposed to teach one of the women in it how to weave after I built these looms. And uh -huh. then that didn't work. And so the guy looks at me and says, go to wardrobe and get some clothes on. You're going to do the weaving. Oh. So when it first came on the internet, I told all of my friends, go here to this one. And at minute 16, <laughs> that blue blob in the background, that's me. Because <laughs> I was just a background as they walked uh -huh, by. Uh -huh. But I was thrilled that I'm putting weaving into yeah, things, right. which but I love. How did the movie industry find you then? Or you, did you try as a consultant? Locally, I simply Locally, get calls all the time. <laughs> um, a couple of weeks ago, which was the funniest one yet, I got a call for an emergency weaver. Oh, and how is that? A woman who runs a business where they make the baby wraps. Uh -huh. She had an order, had to get filled. The lady who started doing the weaving had problems physically and couldn't get it done. She got another woman in. Something happened to her child. She couldn't work on it. So she, I got this call. I need a weaver. And I've always been curious about the baby wraps. So I said, fine, I'll come up and weave it. Satisfied all that curiosity. But I got to meet some really nice weaving people. That's and so cool answer a very, very funny phone call. Why funny? Tell because me. who's ever heard of needing an emergency weaver? <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. but, but I do. I get calls from all the time. This shop gave me your name. This person gave me your name. Mm -hmm. I get students that way. I answer questions that way. There are a lot of people who, once I show them the basics, they don't necessarily want to be weavers as much as I want to turn everyone into weavers. Yeah. But they say, oh, that was fantastic. You satisfied my needs. That's so cool. So that's good, too. Uh-huh, yeah. And we, I we, love You give doing them it. an experience, right? Yes. And then they decide, I'm always for trying stuff. It doesn't mean I'm going to pursue, but at least I get the feel of that. And the other good thing with it is that I am educating this person as to what weaving takes mm -hmm. so that then when I do try to sell my things, which I've just barely started to do again, they can look at it and say, I know how, what that is. Mm -hmm. They know I am building that. this fabric one thread at a time. So they realize that the cost is, mm -hmm. is justified. And so the education value is really, really big for because me too. Because many people don't see that, right? When they see, for example, I know you like the, the cloths or the yeah. Kitchen cloths and people cannot see at, uh, at the first time. Oh yeah, and, and weavers, you know, our looms are several hundred pounds. We're not out there in public mm -hmm. doing it. Like a neater would. Yeah. 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 So we're all hidden away and people don't realize that there are a lot of us out there doing this weaving. So tell me one thing. So you, you teach, I know you teach at the Pioneer Crafts House. You teach yes. at shops as well. Yes. And of course, Akira's Mondo. You are an emergency weaver. Yes. A, a film consultant for <laughs> weaving scenes. Uh, what else do you do? Because I know you, you do more, right? Um, I, I have done sales at a number of small festivals mm -hmm. locally. Um, one of the things I haven't done that is in that list of let's get to this is to try to get me some sales places online mm -hmm. because you know wider access more yeah. chances okay. of sales okay. and so i want to get to those possibilities too mm -hmm. and cool. and so that's that's the direction i'm going but you also work with a, a mill right uh, yes yeah we have a local woman who has a spinning mill in her garage. All of this fantastic equipment wow. that she got involved with. So she has people who grow the fiber, mm -hmm. send her the stuff, she spins it into yarn. Some of them take that yarn and then sell it. And some of them want a finished product mm -hmm. to sell. And so I take the yarn, do some essentially spec work to see if I can make a product at a price point that they're willing to pay for. Mm -hmm. And so I've got um, a number of people I do rugs for and I'll hear from them every once in a while. We've got more 
fiber we need. I've done a lot of scarves. This particular one started out um, from that. Uh -huh. the, this, and so I was doing so well with the alpaca scarves with her that I started doing alpaca scarves for me to sell from me. Okay. Although I'm not using her cool homespun uh -huh. stuff. I'm buying a commercial yarn and using got it. Got it. Charlotte is saying, fascinating emergency weaver. That's I know. a new one, right? Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> I just thought that was the funniest thing. Yeah, it is. It is and, fun. you know, who knows what comes up? Yeah, right. Okay, so let's look a little bit at your pieces. So this one was a whole series you did, correct? Yes. And they're all alpaca. I put oh, these scarves on. They're 100% alpaca. Okay. And I put 15 yards on at a time. So six scarves. Mm -hmm. And probably last year, I would have done somewhere around 200 yards worth of okay. these alpaca scarves for the this growers way. to sell. So you weave six at a time? Yeah. Wow. You weave one and then weave oh, another. Oh, yeah, just go. Think okay. about it. You know, threading up the loom is the big thing. Yeah. Let's thread a whole bunch of them so that we okay. don't have to thread all the time. That's cool. So 15 works. What about this one here? It's a beautiful piece. This is... This pillow is really kind of neat to me because it was up at the um, Natural History Museum of Utah. Mm -hmm. Last year we had a show on the Vikings. It was a wonderful show that came from Sweden. Mm -hmm. It had been in several different places around the world and oh. we got it up at the Natural History Museum. So the Natural History Museum wanted a little hallway show of people doing things that were inspired by Scandinavian. Mm -hmm. So we had the Scandinavian weaving. We had a man who did, um, he was a blacksmith doing them. We had a woman who knit the Scandinavian sweaters. Mm -hmm. And so I had just taken a class in these Scandinavian art weaves and the woman had us put enough warp on the loom. So I finished my art weave and it is a slow weave. Oh yeah? So I decided, all right, I'm gonna weave me another one that I design, and then I wove another one, mm -hmm. and then another one. So I've got these four pieces mm -hmm. that I thought, perfect. I will make four nice little pillows. They will fit lovely. And so I get contacted and they say, do you have a Scandinavian piece? And I thought, perfect, I've mm -hmm. got these pillows. And the show doesn't open until fall. So this was midsummer. Okay. And I thought, cool, I can get them done by then. And she goes, yeah, could we pick those up Monday? Ooh. And I'm just falling. Oh, 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 yes, yes, that's fine. But I lucked out because the local yarns or local fabric store, you can't always get the fabric you want. They had this blue, black linen, linen yeah. which is just what I wanted for the pillow. Oh, and so I spent the weekend massively <laughs> sewing up these pillows and then set them all out to, and I found two that were good and then let her pick which one of the two she would <laughs> okay. show. And the other cool thing is when stuff goes into a museum like that, it had to go in a month early because it has to sit in the freezer for a month oh, before they before allow it into the building. If it's contaminated. No chance of bugs coming wow, into their collections. So, cool. so wow. it was it was really a fun thing to do. And it's I a was a nice experience to have, right? Yeah, because when I took the class I was not having that much fun weaving this. Uh -huh. So I was really pleased that I forced myself to explore it. I even got bought some old Scandinavian art design books to pick out oh. and figure out some new patterns. Uh -huh. So I was really proud that I persevered through. Some of the times- I like this last one best. Yes. It's really gorgeous. It really, you know, they just have a great, you know, that art weave, it was made to decorate their tables, mm -hmm. their pillows, their sofas. Mm -hmm. And it, so it has this wonderful history behind it That's too, which so also fascinates me. And when we went to a, a luncheon for the people who had put things into this show, 
and I and the these younger girls sitting at the table and we're talking a bit about little weaving here and there and they're mm -hmm. asking me all these questions and I finally said I'm gonna go get me dessert because I can sit here and talk about textiles until you fall off the chair with boredom. So we're not going to push it quite that far. I'll stop right now. Small doses as we meet. Exactly. Now tell me one thing. So you are a weaver. What type of loom do you weave on? I have a large series of looms. <laughs> a large series of looms. Half of the house. Yeah, well, when one of the looms was being purchased, I found a loom on our local KSL classifieds. Mm -hmm. And it was at a really good price, and it was a loom that I was using to teach with. So I thought, this is great. Called them up, said I was going to come and pick it up. Went out and told my husband, I found a loom. I'm going to buy me a new loom. And he looked at me, slight sigh, and said... Well, we don't have a loom in the kitchen, and we don't have a loom in the bathroom. Ooh, so that <laughs> kind of gives you an idea. Yes, I had a studio space, but I outgrew my studio space. Wow, wow. Um, I started with big floor looms because that's what they had in the classes I was taking. Okay. Um, I was taking weaving at the last big height of when weaving was really popular. Mm -hmm. So the loom I was learning on, I tried to buy one of those, and he had a four-year waiting period. Really? Wow. So I bought another one that one of the local weavers said, oh, this is a great loom, you'll love it. I had never even woven on one. Bought it essentially sight unseen and love it. I have been weaving on that brand for my whole uh, weaving life. Okay. So I bought smaller looms that I could wheel about mm -hmm. and move and fold up and put away when I wasn't going to use them. And then I bought table looms because those I could cart to places and demonstrate. And then the rigid heddle craze started and I pulled out my old rigid heddle and said, I've got one, this one's fine, I don't need another one. <laughs> but the way things worked, I bought me a new oh, one. Uh -huh. And then the last class I did with you, I had four days I was doing them and I thought, oh, I need, I need four warps, <laughs> I need four looms. Wow. So I got me another. So yes, I, oh. have, I have expanded much, much more than I need but I love them all, and I love the mechanics of playing with uh -huh. them, and so I'm satisfied. But do you, ha do you have a favorite rigid for shaft? Um, I'm really favorable towards Shaft Spindle. He put out this wonderful little cricket. Oh, yes. Which was a beautiful little it. portable thing that uh -huh. got me back into it. And then his bigger one folded up. So wow. even when a warp is on it, you I can, can put around. it away yeah. and do really well. And you like to travel, so that's a good one. Yes, to take exceptionally. That I, I travel with them when I'm going different places, uh -huh. and I really enjoy. So I know there, there are more than you, want, you, you probably want to mention, but you have the rigid haddle, the four shaft, eight shaft. Eight shaft, 12 shaft, 16 shaft. Never ending <laughs> But then we can get the little pin looms. Yes. Little that tiny in ones my in my hand. Uh -huh. And so I, I bought the little four-inch pin loom. Uh -huh. And then I went on eBay and I found a little two-inch one. Yeah, I saw that too. You brought here one. Yeah. Yes. And then a few years ago, a woman made a six-inch one. Oh. And she sold them all out. But I was on her list, and I got a notice that said, we've got one more six-inch, sold. Oh. And so I've got all these pin looms. So when I was spending four weeks in Europe, I was living in Europe for four weeks, and I thought, I can take knitting. I'll be satisfied with just knitting. Uh -huh. I'm a textile person, but knitting will be fine. Uh -huh. 
No, those pin looms that ended up in the suitcase. <laughs> I can't take my well, big they loom. they are so easy. Yeah, to, yeah. perfect. Yeah, I like they can travel with me anywhere. Uh -huh. And I wove up um, and put together and made me this tunic uh -huh. out of what I did over there. That is cool. They're so perfect for just doing. Uh -huh. And then put it together. Eventually, you've got a product. I will admit... As much as we're looking at all my product here, I am much more of a process person than a product person. I love doing the thing. Mm. It's almost like, oh, look, I've got, got a bunch of towels. Cool. Yeah. What can I do next? Yeah, I'm like that too. And so, and I know you've done so much with the felting and uh -huh. the needle felting, which is one of the peripherals right. that I play with. Uh -huh. um, and then lace. Bobbin oh, you lace. do bobbin lace. I forgot it's about that. It's another one of my peripherals Ooh. that I play uh -huh. with. Yeah, I was looking at That's all... That's crazy work. That's what that is. Crazy oh. stuff. And I've always admired this Danish type of bobbin lace, Turner. And bought pictures of it, bought a couple of books. Uh -huh. And the local little group brought in a Turner specialist. So I thought, oh, let's take that workshop. Uh -huh. And so I think that one... First of all, I'm doing the bobbin lace and I'm getting that glazed over deer in the headlight look and I'm going, oh, this is how my students feel the first day oh, when it's all so new. Uh -huh. And then Turner is done with extremely fine yarn. Oh. So sewing thread is a size 50. The higher the number, the skinnier the thread. We were using 140. Wow. So by the end of the first six-hour day, I'd woven about a half an inch. Oy, no. So after three days, I thought, maybe this is not the best lace for me. <laughs> so maybe it answered that question. Wow. Okay, I love it, but yeah. maybe this is enough yeah. for me. Yeah, I get that. So, Charlotte's yeah. saying, is the pillow woven in one piece or in bands? It is one big piece. This was the warp going lengthwise on it. And then I did weave the band of each of the different structures. And there was always a little divider band between each one of the techniques. Mm -hmm. When I did it, I come up with a series of, I think I had about seven colors, mm -hmm. black and white and maybe black and white in five colors. And so I was constantly rotating those colors through all the various ones. But yeah, the warp was this way. The weft I was weaving this way. It is packed down so much, you do not see the warp threads at all. It mm -hmm. is totally weft-faced. Mm -hmm. All of these techniques are weft-faced, which is one reason why they're so slow. If we count how many of those warp threads are in an inch, you're dealing with maybe 25 of these green threads. Mm -hmm. Plus, I was putting these threads in too. So maybe 40 to 50 threads in an inch. So okay. it's a very slow technique to do. So by slow, how long did it take you to make this? Um, it, it would, I would be dealing with you know, maybe a pattern in an hour, mm -hmm. which when I'm weaving yardage, I'm doing a yard in an hour. Okay. So that kind of puts it into the perspective of what I did, which is one reason why I disliked it so much at first. Uh -huh. I had to kind Most of put my mind back into this slow technique. Mm -hmm. And then I graphed out all of the designs. So I was following a graph for the designs too. Mm. But... If you look at this one, I picked up the pattern. Well, I'd weave the blue background, pick up the pattern, and weave one color here, one color here, one color here, one color here. Weave the background again. Weave one color here, one color here, one. So it's, it's a much slower weave. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you're not going to make this and walk on it like a rug. <laughs> this is an art weave yeah, that we yeah. really show and have it displayed. Well, just imagine how long the rug would take. <laughs> yes. Oh. Can you imagine? 
Thank you, Charlotte. And remember, guys, this is an interactive podcast. So if you have any questions to Diana, there is a chat either beside or below the video you're watching. Uh, we are monitoring several places, so just send it out. Now, let's talk, since we are here, a little bit more about this guys here. So what do we have so, here? Right here, we've got two of the towels that I did. Uh huh. And right after you were learn plain weave, which is just your basic over, under, over, under, you start doing twills. And so we've got twills that cover the whole area, twills that do little bits of stripes. Mm -hmm. And here's another one where the twills are just stripes happening. Okay. So we get all these different variations. And I love doing twills. And I love doing really elaborate twills. And I have got a couple of examples of one of my favorites. So this one is very hard to see the design. It's white and green, would, or white and blue. Would it show up better? Oh, oh, look at that. There we can see it. This one is called an advancing twill, and you've got all these things going on. I found this old pattern. I loved doing it. And then I decided what would happen if I did it in color. And so here is the same design? exactly oh. the same threading, exactly the same size yarn. But look what happens when we put that color into it. Mm. I just adore this pattern. I ended I, up. I think I like this one. This better. one is subtle, and this one I always called my winter frost, uh -huh. the frost one. And then when I did this one, I called that one fall frost. And I mm -hmm. fell in love with it so much, I wove seven yards of towels three different times. Ooh. I put one on and wove it. I tied slightly different colors, uh -huh. wove it again, and I still had cones of yarn, so I tied slightly different colors and wove it again. But this one is actually, if you look up, Snowflake Twill. That's, that's what this one was. It is an eight-shaft twill, but it looks... That means I can only weave on an eight-shaft? Eight-shaft loom. Okay. Takes eight shafts to do it, but... It looks much, gorgeous, gorgeous. much more elaborate. It is my favorite thing to do. That's so great. Yeah. I have a girlfriend who loves working with teensy little skinny yarn. Oh, yeah? So she took this pattern, did it with really fine silk, mm -hmm. and made a shawl to just die for. Really? So beautiful. Beautiful. Now, you, you said you, you like functional pieces. So this will, would eventually end up in your kitchen? Yes. After all the work? Yes. And that you're but okay with that? But think of the pleasure I get every time I touch it. Uh, I don't know. Well, there well, are... Only you touches your kitchen, right? Originally, my towels, when they came into the kitchen, I was adamant. You know, this is only to wipe off things. You do not wipe up... You know, wipe the floor greasy with them, stuff greasy and, stuff, uh -huh. spaghetti sauce. Yeah, right. You know, those are big no-nos. <laughs> but I trade towels with a lot of people. And so now I have so many, and some of them have started wearing out, and they're just cloth. Wow. And when I look at them, even these that I spent so much time on and explored so many fun things with, quite frankly, I know if I want to do them, I can weave them again. If these wear out, I can weave them again. I'm not worried about it. I would be. Now, you told me once about you give this as gifts on Christmas and stuff, and not yes. always people understand what they are getting, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, For most of the time, well, I'm worse with socks, but there are, there is a level of people you have to be weaving worthy <laughs> to get my weaving. Oh, really? Yes. How do I get on the <laughs> We'll discuss this later. <laughs> And, and so, and then there are some people I, that I have told, you know, that's fine. If, you're, if it gets dirty and you want to wash it, mm -hmm. I'll take care of it. But know that all, both of these towels have been through the washing machine and the dryer at least twice when I give them out. Oh. I did have one friend, I gave her a towel and it was actually, you can't see it here, but we if we lift up, up the little sheep along the border 
And so I gave her the towel and I said, you know, enjoy it. It's a dish towel, have fun. And then we were, I didn't see her for a while at work. We got transferred to uh -huh. different places. And a couple of years later, she goes, oh, I need to do something with that towel. It's kind of gotten dirty. And I thought, dirty? Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. it's a dish towel. And she goes, no, it's been hanging up on the wall. <laughs> oh, she was, that's a wall piece. But, and so I still told her, throw uh -huh. it in the washing machine. And it's been okay. there before. Wow. So, yeah, I make, I, I test my yarns, my fabrics that I'm giving to somebody to use. Mm -hmm. I test them to make sure they're going mm -hmm. to be usable. Um, in my classes, I will show towels that, I say, this is one of my less successful Christmas towels mm. because it was not woven dense enough to really wear well. That's fine. I'll use it. It's just a towel. What does it matter? But if I'm going to give somebody one, I want it to be something it that they will nice. really use. My sister bought some of my towels to give to a girlfriend of hers. Mm -hmm. And these were my linen towels, which are even my higher end towels. <laughs> then and, you have to be really <laughs> special to be yeah. on that list. Oh, my sister, she even <laughs> paid for them to give <laughs> to her girlfriend. So the girlfriend opens up the, the present and say, oh, Thank you. And then the next time my sister saw her girlfriend, she looks at her and she says, where did you get those towels? And can you get more? Wow. Look so at that. yeah, once, 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 you, use once them. you use them, you yeah. know how wonderful they are to That's use. So cool. They last, they really absorb well, uh -huh. and they're just wonderful things to use. That's so cool. What about this piece? First, I want to know what type of yarn is this? This one is a blend of everything, a lot of mohair in it. Okay. But it's got wools, it's got rayon, it's got a lot of things in it. And this is my mixed warp. Okay. And this is actually the class that I've got coming up next week. Okay. Where you don't have specific stripes, you just kind of have random things oh. going on in it. It's like a surprise party. It is. <laughs> and so I will pick out a bunch of colors. Okay. Like there's this wonderful turquoise blue clay. Mm -hmm. So when I go to the loom, I say, I want some here and some here and some here. And so it's not, it's designed when I'm sitting at the loom. Mm -hmm. oh. And so there is a technique in warping, which is called front to back, which I use solely when I'm going to design something in the loom. Okay. And so that's where I use this one. We do have another small piece hiding under all of this stuff. This one. Oh, the blue one. That one is the same thing. Oh. Where it's just random all the way across uh -huh. because I sat at the loom and said, I want a, this yarn here, this yarn here. Mm -hmm. It isn't a full stripe. It's all mixed up. And there are some really fun advantages to do that because some yarns shrink more than other yarns. So if I had a stripe of one yarn and a stripe of another, one of the stripes may scrunch up and you get seersucker ripples. <laughs> Whereas if they're all mixed all the way across, they scrunch up a little, but it just makes it them mixed. all more textured. Uh -huh. So this mixed warp is one of my little design things to play That's with. That's cool. And it's done on a rigid haddle? Or? Both. Oh, it's it a technique that works well on both looms really easily. That's cool. This one was actually woven on a rigid heddle. This one was woven on a floor loom. So this is a shawl? Or yeah, how do you... it's a big shawl. Doesn't it prick you a little bit? I stand up to fiber a lot more, more than, than some people. people. Okay, okay. For somebody who has trouble with some yarns, and mohairs tend to be a little pricklier, okay. then you want to test all of the yarns on your skin. Mm -hmm. um, good place, don't do it with your fingers. Your fingers are too tough. Okay. They put up with a lot more. So you test it on the inside of your wrist or behind your ear. Ooh. And if it feels soft to you there, then yeah, yeah I could wear that. So you test all of these little mini balls of yarn, and not that one, this is the wrong color. You end up with a whole bunch of leftovers, and then you put those in your warp and use up your leftovers mm -hmm. by designing it right there. 
That's cool. That's very and cool. And like I say, I, I don't know what, well, maybe it's just I deal with so much fiber that, mm -hmm. that I can put up with a lot more tent than some people will. Okay. So there, there is a jacket that I wove me some time ago. Uh. And I loved the colors and thought it was just the neatest thing. And when we finished it and I sewed it up and it was elaborate matching panels doing all this, and I put that sucker on, it was so prickly. Really? I swear I could wear armor underneath that thing oh, and I would still, still be yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah. So, you know, well, what do you do? You throw it in the corner for a while. Mm -hmm. And then finally I pulled it out. I made it into pillows that just sat somewhere where nobody was going to lean against them. <laughs> Probably would have made a bag pretty nicely. Yeah, yeah, true. Because it would never have worn out. And I didn't realize at the time when I finally looked at the yarn, it was it had cow hair in it. It was a rug yarn. Oh. But I was so inexperienced at the right. time, I just bought colors I liked. Uh-huh. So, so some of this comes with doing it. Mm -hmm. And there are the learning ones. And there are the pieces that I have thrown in the corner or in the closet for a while. Some of those come out and turn into bags and stuff. Some of them I look at and say, no, not yet. You know, someday maybe. Maybe, yeah. Not everything is a success, right? Oh, yeah. It's so sad that way. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's talk a little bit about money. So, for example, this is uh, the time of the year that people participate in bazaars and fairs and things like that. So I, I know product is not your main thing, but t tell us a little bit the possibilities here for people thinking about selling their work. Well, look at what you're doing and look at what is out there for sale. Okay, I would never compare myself to my hand towels to Walmart towels. Mm -hmm. But I have gone online and found a woman in New York who was selling more handwoven towels than she could make. Okay, she's got a great market. She is going through designers, but she was charging $100 a towel. Hmm. So I could that see- The one that goes in the kitchen? Yeah. Whoa. Well, these are designers. You know, maybe the people that use the house never use their kitchen, and the towels look gorgeous hanging there. That would be me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all you need are those beautiful towels that match your kitchen. Uh. But I look at what's for sale online and kind of, aim a price at that, I time myself when I'm weaving these things mm -hmm. so that I set my alarm for 30 minutes and see how much I get done in that much time, both threading it up and doing the process of weaving it. Mm -hmm. And then I have to hem them. So I am looking at all of these time periods and I come to a price that I would be satisfied with. I'm never going to get rich weaving. I know that. But then I also, besides having, you know, two or three hundred dollar shawls and the silk things, I've got the towels, but you also want to have the little product, the little bags, the things people can pick up for ten, fifteen dollars. Mm -hmm. I make nice little hot mats to put your hot dishes on. Mm -hmm. They weave up fast and easy. They're a product that sells really well. Mm -hmm. So compare yourself to what's going on all around you, what's going on locally to you, but don't sell yourself short. One friend was telling us, you know, I was going to, she said, I'm going to the shows, this guy is doing fantastic work, I think his was painting, and he was saying, I just can't sell anything. I think I'm going to have to mark down my prices. And she said, well, let's try something else first. Mm. And she added a zero to everything. Mm -hmm. And he started selling. Mm -hmm. Because people realized they were worth the price. He felt his stuff was worth the price. Don't undersell yeah. your stuff. That is so important because I think that happens all the time. Yeah. And whenever we go into a place and we try to sell and it's not selling, that's our default thinking that it's the price. Yes. Therefore, it needs to go down. And we, we don't see all the other variables that can be in place in that moment. Maybe it's too low or maybe the place is not the right place or the, 
the buyers are not the buyers for you. Yeah, these are not right. the right buyers this week. Yes, so so you have to take that into consideration. But many times, increasing the price is a better strategy. It really is. Yeah, and we tend also to compare uh, what other people are selling for all the time. And many times, in especially in Crafts Bazaar, for example, they're selling for a very low price. You don't want oh, to yeah. be in that realm at all. Yeah, there there are there literally are people who make their living doing these crafts, mm -hmm. not necessarily the weaving, but I do know some weavers. And so they are very careful about doing their pricing. Mm -hmm. They do not underprice themselves. There are those that are just sitting and making a few things who think, oh, if I can sell it for the price of the yarn. Mm -hmm. But no, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Because you're not only underselling yourself, but you're underselling all the rest of these people that are doing that. Yes. Yeah. You know, your stuff, okay, you're just starting out. Maybe it's not that high price stuff, but you know, as you increase in quality, you definitely want to increase in the price with it. Mm -hmm. And you're and that's what I'd said about when I do it for people to find the price point. Mm -hmm. I can find out, all right, I am willing to make this for you for this price. Can you sell that? I've had more than a few people say, oh, that's too expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, I can do this different for you, but I'm not going to come down on what my price is worth. Mm -hmm. And if it's way too expensive for people, I give it away to somebody. Yeah, right. <laughs> that will satisfy me better than selling it short. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah. you, you know. You hammer yourself later for selling Yeah. 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 Bree is saying, hi ladies, glad to, I get to see part of this live. So at the beginning, Diana, you mentioned uh, the community that you have around this, right? The weavers that they stay in their studio. Yes. Okay, but uh, tell me a little bit about this community. Is it growing? Is it going away? Actually, weaving is growing, mm -hmm. but we're finding it's growing in the the smaller looms, um, although a lot of us refer to the rigid heddle as being your gateway product, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people do move on to bigger looms, but a lot of people, you know, most of us don't have these great big huge houses where we can put a footprint, or in the case of mine, you know, like something the size of a piano. Hmm. At least a couple of my looms are that size. How big is your <laughs> It's not that big. It's not a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, just got a lot of looms. And so <laughs> these little, easier, smaller cost, smaller product, you know, or the little rigid heddles that I can fold up and put in back of the door when I'm not using it. It's a wonderful product. If you use your rigid heddle and you never go to a bigger loom, you're still making wonderful weaving products. And it's a great loom. I don't consider it like some people have said, well, that's just your little kitty loom. You know, no, it's really a great loom. You can do many, many things on it. Um, even my, my one that's 15 inches wide, I have woven yardage on it. Japanese clothing is based on a 14 inch loom. Oh yeah. So there are a lot of cultures who based on smaller equipment, uh -huh. and you can make these simple clothing with small equipment. You can take three beautiful pieces and stitch them together and make this gorgeous blanket. Yeah. So small equipment is really big right now. There were so many knitters that the weavers, weaving companies kind of started to label their rigid heddle looms the knitter's loom. Oh, really? So we were bringing, you're all doing this fun fiber. You've done all of this stuff with weave, with knitting. Let's bring in and you can now. start doing weaving uh -huh. also. So we've got our little pin looms. Uh -huh. We've got our various band looms. We've got our rigid heddle looms. And so we can all work with that. Some people are going to say, well, that was fun, but I want to move up and do Something more. Yeah. And Locally, I have got my studio with very large looms. One weaves 60 inches wide. 
I couldn't even afford the footprint for that size loom. But because I've got it available for people and various studios around the country do this, people come in and rent my loom so that they can weave their big blanket oh God. and then go home and weave their regular so stuff on their looms. So another way you generate income from weaving. Yeah. I just want to give people a scope that there is not just making the pieces. Oh, yeah. Now, I agree with you on the, on the trend for the smaller uh, looms. If we think about cities growing, we, we are an example of that, right? Yes. Uh, Housing is becoming an issue here, so many yes. people coming. Well, the smaller the space you're living, I think that constrains, like, try New, uh, New York and having one of your looms. Not oh, gonna happen, yeah, right? yeah, you've, you've got all of these things to think about mm -hmm. when you're looking at the product, and, and the companies are looking at that. Uh -huh. And they're making these nice little portable fold-up pieces that yeah. are gonna be satisfactory to use. Even one of my floor looms, I mean, it weaves, 26 inches. Mm -hmm. In the case of mine, it's an eight shaft, but it also folds up <coughs> and it has wheels on it oh, so that cool. I can roll it Around out the of house. the way when From I need to. From the room to. to the living room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Today's and... binging day. <laughs> so, and I've rolled it out on my deck and enjoyed oh, out of doors weaving. Uh -huh. But yeah, so there's, there's all of these various ways that we yeah. can get into it easily. Um, and smaller looms come up for sale more because there are these people that say, oh, you know, that was really fun. I can't afford to have a bunch of looms, but I want to get something a little bigger. So yes. I'll sell this one and move up. A few like me that say, I'll move to a bigger loom, but I can't part with any of my babies. I think I, for me, the, the cricket, I think is, well, uh, for me, it's important mobility. Because yes. I, I really seldom have the time, I have a studio. I never have the time to be in there. Yes. But I have, I have time to get my projects on the go all the time. Like I have three in the car. A pin loom? <laughs> no, not really. A pin loom, um, a, a bead weaving. Yes. And the other one is an embroidery that I'm creating yes. from on the market. So I can carry those around. Yeah. And those, those, there's always the little portable element that you get that you're able to do. And, and then the other thing about weaving is that it is one of this huge group of crafts we're all yes. exposed to. Yes. And so I know some people will say, well, I found this one. I'm not willing to go much bigger and broaden myself mm -hmm. because we all have a finite amount of time. Yeah. And so it's finding the one. And like I say, I, my goal in life is to make more weavers, <laughs> and I do. I know Charlotte that is watching us. She does a lot of band weaving. I've seen yes. some of them. Yeah. Uh, Bree Beautiful. Saying, I am new to weaving. Would you explain what is the advantage to move to a much bigger loom then? What happens when you move to a bigger loom is it gives you a lot of design structure possibilities. Mm. So the, this one that we looked at, it's a very elaborate pattern in what's going on. Mm -hmm. A lot of shafts give you that but so it's more intricate design more intricate structure structure okay but the pillow is an extremely intricate design mm -hmm. and it was done on four shafts but it could also have been done on a rigid heddle and a pickup stick mm -hmm. like we did in the last class exactly yeah. so you can do that and you can still get interesting things with a smaller loom and less shafts, you can use a whole lot of different colors. Mm -hmm. um, one of the weavers says she breaks everything in the world down to there are two types of. Mm -hmm. There are two types of weavers, color weavers and structure weavers. Oh. Somebody who does very simple structures like the mohair shawl that we had here, mm -hmm. but fantastic colors in it to get a really neat design with that. And then there are the people who like to design these really elaborate interlacements mm -hmm. that need the more shafts to do that. I love designing fancy interlacements. Oh yeah? So I kept moving up to more and more shafts and got to my 16 and really hit a wall because after that, the next step is going into the computer interface and 
I'm an old lady. I don't want to learn the computer. <laughs> okay. That's where it gets to. Some people, there are some old ladies like me who uh -huh. want to learn that. Uh -huh. But I hit the wall that I'm satisfied with. Somebody else might hit that wall at doing a little four-shaft piece. Mm -hmm. That they can do everything they want by mixing all these colors, by varying all these twills. And so you get more fancy interlacements. And that may or not may not be a goal that you want. I always tell people when they want to buy a loom and they say, well, should I get four or eight shafts? And I'd say, you know, if you ask me, I say, you always get as many as you can. <laughs> but a better way is to pick up one of the weaving books or weaving magazines mm -hmm. and go through the products. And if every one that you like takes eight shafts, then you need there's that. your answer. Uh -huh. But if most of them that you like take rigid heddle or four shafts, why move up to more? Mm -hmm. So look at the things you really like. Do you really, you know, don't get eight shafts because Deanna says you should, mm -hmm. although Deanna says you should. <laughs> well, you need, you need a good room for that. And the investment's not small either. No. Right? It's an expensive hobby. That's, it's an expensive yeah. hobby, and you need to think about that. Yeah, so I think that's some... Uh, and uh, if you want to weave rugs, then you have to go with the big one anyway. Yeah, right? then but I've seen... you need that big sturdy thing because you're beating the crap out to yeah. make a rug that lays on the ground like a rug. Yeah. That you can't, you know, that doesn't you grab your do... foot when you walk by. Uh -huh. I've seen so. amazing designs that you have done with much smaller yes. rooms. Uh, Susan Bolander is saying, my local guilds are not friendly to rigid heddle looms. I am self-taught because of this. Many people will shy away from weaving without help. So true. There is a real knowledge gap for beginners. Not anymore. Have you visited CuriousMondo.com? Here we are. <laughs> no, really. Uh, how many courses have you given here? You, ga you gave the four-shaft one? And two rigid heddles so Then far. you did the rigid heddle, the pickup stick that was a huge success, yes. right? And now the next one is? The next one is four-shaft. Well, I'm going to do four and eight. So I am floor loom for the next one. But then we'll probably do another rigid heddle after mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And you can find information. There are, can I say, guilds mm -hmm. of people on Ravelry that just work with rigid heddle. Um, that somebody puts on a question, I've had a trouble with this. And we answer them. Mm -hmm. And we say, try doing this. I'm always, you know, the first thing with when you start is so easy to pack it down too tight. Uh -huh. You think, oh, this is a beater. I'd better beat it. <laughs> and you don't need to do that. And so that's always the first thing I tell everybody. You know, oh, your piece looks very nice. Your edges look good. You might try packing it in a little looser. Mm -hmm. You know, so you get these. Your muscles will also thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah. So you get all of these people online, you know, and like I say, Ravelry started as knitters, but they have a strong weaving contingent Oh, really? Now. I didn't know that. Yes. And there are groups that are solely rigid heddle, uh -huh. so that you can find your tribe. That's what I always yes. talk about. I need my tribe. Instruction-wise, we're here to provide it for you. Uh -huh. If there is a specific rigid heddle thing that you're interested in, all you have to do is, you know, send a message here. And if it's not something I have done, I may be willing to learn to do it because I'm always willing to learn something new. Yeah. And I love trying out new things. But your tribe is there. Mm -hmm. And that, that attitude of you're not really, you don't use a real loom is unfortunately way too out there with it and that and it is totally wrong you are using a real loom it's a wonderful loom and tell your guild i don't know where you are susan but tell your guild to be more inclusive we on a smaller level we need to accept diversity yes right so society accepts diversity we, so we all need to on telling, all levels so let's start yes, right here yes <laughs> yes and we don't have to fall in love with one specific type of anything uh, and we can experiment i i 
said this in another interview, uh, I experienced one guild that they, they were struggling bringing new people, especially younger people, right? Yes. That was the thing. Because we need to bring younger people if we want to survive as guilds. Yeah, the gray-haired guilds. Yes. And so one day, everybody's meeting, there comes this uh, younger person, a, a lot younger than the average, and she was good at what she's doing, but she was experimenting. So she was doing things totally outside the box. Yes. Guess what she heard? Oh, this is not the way it's done, dear. That's not how you belong here. Yeah, and that's... Did she ever come back? Yeah. No, never. Right? Yeah. And talking about the guilds, um, the guild, the primary guild in the state of Utah that I'm in, and I have been a member for many, many years, mm -hmm. has evolved. Yes. And that's the way we stay we alive. Have to. Yes. We were much more one way that we all... You know, and a lot of times women with a lot more money to spare than what, what most of us have now is when I first started with it. And they did not allow anything that had machine stitching sewing, showing on the piece. Mm -hmm. They did not allow X and Y. Yeah. And so we have evolved so that in some ways this is a little bit of a goal for you to move into there and get them to see what it is. If they are not your tribe right now, there is your tribe out there waiting for you. So definitely find that support, but try to help these other ladies accept the fact that this is weaving now. We can't all afford $4,000 for a big, huge floor loom to be able to enjoy, nor do we all have that footprint in our house. Yeah. Sometimes families get upset when the dining room disappears and a loom appears there. And everything, so, science, everything. Human yeah. beings, we evolve because at some point we face any, a type of challenge or we are just bored and then we yeah. try something new. So, exactly. Yeah, maybe, maybe telling them, right? And showing yeah. our pieces. Showing them, catching into it a little bit, don't... Don't try to say, oh, this is the real way. You know, just introduce what you're doing, but then also go online. Also look at the instruction that we have so that you can learn and so that you can find that tribe that you want to... Find your peeps. Yeah, We your have peeps. a ton of them here. We're me. all out there. And like I say, we're hidden in our house doing our weaving. Yeah. You don't realize... We're all there waiting to meet you. Yes, that's true. That's true. And, you know, really, there's nothing better than uh, meeting people that have the same passion and will that you do in the sense of accomplishing new things. So you have to. Vicky Bloom is saying, there is no such thing as an inexpensive hobby. Aren't you right? Oh, At yes. At least not in my experience, not in mine either. It looks like it's cheap. Like pin loom is cheap. Yeah. Right? Until you start buying the yarn, well, more and then, yarn. <laughs> and then there's always that phrase, you know, why pay $7 to buy this thing when you can spend $49 in supplies yeah, and right. make it? <laughs> right? <laughs> Charlotte is saying that she has four rigid hero looms. Okay, I want to go to your home okay, to see. Okay, <laughs> you're up with me. Uh, maybe that means I need to buy another one so I can get ahead of you again. <laughs> Diana, any final words for people watching today? Oh, I, my final word is... Find your passion. Um, it is so important for us to make things with our hands, yes. to show that to our kids. Your minds are going to develop so much better when you make things. They've tried to cut it out of our schools. They've tried to cut it out of the arts organizations. And we need to really support this making things. Of course, with Deanna, she will say, become a weaver look at what weaving is and doing that, at least try weaving. If you find another passion, still make it, find your group, show that creativity because that's what makes us who we are and makes us enjoy yes. our lives. Yes, and we need to create a prettier world, right? Yes. And wise words, Diane. I was watching TV last week and I saw a guy that he makes playgrounds for kids, but he makes them very rustic where the kids actually have to help build and they run some risks yes. in the process, right? And they yes. run some challenges. And the whole message of that segment was 
we need challenges and we need to run risks on every single level, trying new things, trying new hobbies, figuring out how to deal with our emotions in the process. Yes. Because if we are in an unbalanced world right now with too much negativity and violence, sometimes it's just, I'm not saying it's just that, but it's the fact that people don't know how to deal with their emotions anymore. And yes. the making helps a lot with that. It does. Right? It's problem solving, it's a lot. And, and we as adults, need to try new things. Mm -hmm. When I've taught classes with children and adults, everybody fails at first. To the kids, that's no big deal. They're used to learning and failing. And if we don't experience that learning and failing as adults, we start thinking, oh, I'm dumb, I can't do things. Yes, yes. Try something new every year. Mm -hmm. Keep your mind plastic and yes, moving yes. and know that we can learn these new things and don't age yourself right yes because yeah. sometimes it's by choice <laughs> that we do that i remember when i was in high school there was this teacher and once he said that we always stop at some point so for example as we were growing up we would like one music from a specific time and never move on from that and at that point i thought how sad is that right it's yes. not gonna happen I saw myself liking a specific time in music, right? I love the monkeys. So <laughs> I, I, I'm stuck there to a point. But I also know today that I found new stuff that I like. You know very well I love pentatonics. Oh, yes. I love Mumford & Sons. I love a, a lot of new people out there. They, they are fantastic. And the other day I was saying, oh, I'm so glad I, I proved that guy wrong. <laughs> Well, yeah, right. and it's good. And when my kids suggested, oh, let's go do this, this, as it turned out, a very physical thing in uh -huh. water, which uh -huh. I am not a fan of, and I am losing it. This is just so, and I started hyperventilating, <laughs> and I'm telling myself, you've got to do new things. Yeah. You've got to experience this. Don't cut yourself yes. off. And so, yeah, we need to broaden. We need to do these fun things. We need to share our things. Show off. If that's we social want, media is there for that. Yeah, right? show off what we've got. Share it with people. Mm -hmm. I go on the Facebook and, well, and they've told me I haven't done it enough lately. Here's the new thing <laughs> I've been making. Show uh -huh. people what you're doing. Find that, yeah. find that tribe. Mm -hmm. And so that we can all spread out and pick up this little new thing. Oh, how can I apply that to what I do? Yes, yes exactly. And combine. You're doing felting. Oh, how can I do how that can I with put my this weaving? On my weaving bag. What can I, I can do with my bobbin top. lace yes, on my yes, weaving? Yes. And you're picking these things. And I covered, I made books, covered the outside of the books with hand weaving. Uh-huh. You know, how can we pull all these pieces together and make this? Yes. Yeah. So many explore cool things every to day, do. Right? Explore. Yes. And if we can help you explore, we are here for you. So Diana mentioned that she, at CuriousMondo.com, she has a, a course on four shaft, a one on rigid rattle, one on pickup sticks for rigid rattle, and now she's coming up with an intermediate course on four shaft, which happens next week. And you're so lucky because every time we go live, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you can watch the whole course for free. We don't hide anything from you. So why not sign up and come check Diana? It may be your passion, it may be not, but you may find your interest in something else and we want you to explore, correct? Yes, always yeah. explore. Yeah, thank you so much <laughs> for being here today and thank you guys so much, not only for watching this, but for participating. We really appreciate that. Next Tuesday, another amazing artist here at creativityinfocus.com. See you next time.